All right, guys. Good morning, everybody. Thank you all for coming today. Uh, I'm Nick. If I haven't met you yet, I'm Nick Missios. I am the coordinator of our POPs ministry here. I appreciate all of you guys taking time out of your busy schedules to come here on a Saturday morning and uh, talk about important stuff for how we care for our families. So uh, today we have Aaron Vogel talking to us. Uh, Aaron is a uh, well-known donut mogul in the area. Um, <laughs> really starting a donut empire. Um, uh, Aaron is, uh, he's a guy I've, I've known for a while now. It, it just has really good thoughts about a variety of topics, especially as relating to kind of this next generation coming up. He works with a lot of them. He manages a lot of them. So he sees where kids are coming through these days. Uh, so this topic of social media, I'm especially excited to hear him talk about because a he's given a similar talk to the ladies at mops and i've gotten really good feedback from them from my wife she's heard it and said it's just been really helpful for her uh and it's an area that is is increasingly necessary to talk about we can't just close our eyes and pretend it's going to go away it affects us as dads just just as people it affects our kids so uh without any further ado here's Aaron vogel just just for the record, I prefer Donut Dynasty rather than Donut Empire. I hope that's on tape. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, thanks. Good to, good to hang with y'all today. Um, my, uh, my street cred comes in the form of four kids. So uh, I know most of you, but if, if I don't, uh, my, my, uh, my kids are 16 to 9. Uh, we've had a little a girl who's five with us for about 16 months uh, in foster care that she'll be moving on in about a week or so. So the last almost year and a half, we've been a family of seven. Um, it's been a lot of fun. So, you know, I'm kind of out of the zone of having kids, biological kids, who are entertained by kind of simple elements, um, that is, except for this little gal who's been with us. And it's, it's moved on into, you know, more complex. And how do you kind of get through these waters? This is, this is interesting when it comes to technology and media. So that's a, a little bit about my background. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and get started and pray, and, and then we'll, we'll launch in. Father, we thank you for this time. God, we ask that you would um, open our ears to hear from you this morning and, and help us to be wise guides when it comes to the, the topic of technology and media with our children. And, and Father, help us to uh, use technology as a means to draw closer to our children rather than it becoming a barrier uh, to push us further apart. God, we trust that you will do a good work this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, you know, as I, as I think about uh, the difference in my technological experiences versus my kids, I really think the majority of the difference, at least from my perspective and my experiences, is the amount, the amount of platforms that are offered to kids today. The amount of platforms that are offered to kids today, it's, it's really truly like just choose whatever you would like. It's, it's up to you, whatever fits you. When I was growing up, it's like I remember, um, you know, the first cassette tape that I bought was Nirvana, Never mind, and I could kind of only get it one place. It was at Camelot Music in the Esplanade Mall, at least to my knowledge. And certainly, my parents did not know about that purchase. So we will we will absolutely be editing this tape. Um, 
And just for the record, my mom is actually the one who gave me the money for it. She just doesn't know it yet. Yeah, we get down like that. Thank you, mom. So, so like the, the, the ability to engage with that was just like there was one avenue, really, right? There, was, there, wasn't a lot, there, there weren't a lot of places I could go. Um, there's, there are so many consoles now that, that I, you can connect with as a child in terms of the types of entertainment that are available to you. For me, it was like it was either Nintendo or Sega Genesis. You know, there were just a couple. Um, Atari was a little bit further back. But now, I mean, there's four or five, six, and they, come, they all come out every single year. And so it's not, it's not like technology was, didn't exist, even in, you know, in the 90s versus the 20s. I mean, it was there, but I would even, we could go further back in the 80s, the 70s, 60s. Technology was there. It's just, it's always growing to kind of ask our kids to consume in more ways, in a wider variety of ways. And, and so I think it's important to recognize on the, on the forefront that it's not like we're dealing with something brand new. You know, like there's not this new human out there that is never connected and, oh, my, ki-, you know, my kids are dealing with things that I never had to deal with. A lot of times, prisoner of the moment, we get a little bit overwhelmed by what's going on and we think to ourselves like, oh, this is a new day. And in some regards, yeah, every day is a new day and every generation is a new generation. What's not new, though, is the person that is dealing with the temptation to consume something. That's not new. And, those, and that's the common ground that all of us have. And so I think it's important, whether we're parents or grandparents, there's, there's nothing new about this. And whether your kids are 20 or kids are 2, there's, there's nothing new about that kid. There's nothing new about you, and there's nothing new about your father before you. And there's nothing, you know, as, as much as we jump into virtual reality and augmented reality, so my kids now have, I w- you know, it's, it is so fun to watch, but they have this kind of, you know, artificial piece on their face, and it brings them into another world. And they, they put this technology on their eyes, and it kind of bulges out to here. And they have some sticks in their hands, and this is what they wanted to purchase with all the money that they earned for, for, I don't, come to think of it, I don't know how they earned that money. I wonder if they stole it from me. Yeah, thank you, Dad. Thank you, Mom, for Nirvana. Thank you, Dad, for this artificial intelligence. So, so they have this money, and they just want to do that, and they stand there, and they are literally in another world. Now, the kid's not new on the other side. The technology is new. And if you put it on, and Darth Vader walks up to you, and he's like 10 feet tall, and it's extremely intimidating, and you feel like, I need to get out of here. Like, I mean, I've literally taken this thing off. Like, dude, I just need a moment. (laughs) But there's nothing new about the kid inside of that technology. So what I think we would do well to do primarily this morning would be to observe the kid, to observe the child, and to just ask ourselves questions about the child rather than asking ourselves questions about the technology. And if we can wrap our minds more thoroughly around the children in our lives and the grandchildren in our lives or the future grandchildren, which this is very important. I mean, I'm thinking about this now with, I mean, my oldest is only 16, but I'm thinking like, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years from now, I'm a grandpa. Like, I'm going to be further removed. So how can I study just what is a young human in my interactions in my 
home more than I can study like, dude, what's next? Like, hey, Gabe, is there something else out there? Judah, have you seen another platform like that I could be aware of, that I can stay hip to? Like, that just doesn't work at some level, right? And, 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 and you just can't keep up. Like, you can't. You can't keep up. It happens so fast. So, so if we can start from a place that acknowledges our children as creations who are prone to disengage, I think this is important. Our children are prone to disengage. They have insatiable desires for more. They are consumers. And they will and do pursue unhealthy forms of intimacy. And I want to say it again. We have to be aware that our children, they are prone to disengage. They have insatiable desires for more. And they will pursue unhealthy forms of intimacy. We could talk about Snapchat. We could talk about YouTube. We could talk about online dating. We could talk about a lot, of, a lot of different things that a lot of you don't even interact with, never will interact with. And your kids, two years from now, just give it, a, give it two months. They won't interact with it anymore. So it is a fleeting endeavor to focus on platforms that kids will one day say are no fun anymore. But what is not a fleeting endeavor is to observe that within your children, they have this peace inside of them that wants to disengage. They just want to take a step back from reality. There's also this element in them that they just want more. It's never enough. What's next? And just be aware, they're constantly looking to find things to be connected to, to be intimate with. So our goal should be to get to those places with our kids. And use technology and media as guides to help them understand how God has designed them to engage. So acknowledge it. Speak to it. Connect with it. You are built to engage. The the desire you have to, to... constantly do this, there's something very normal about that, but I want to tell you a better story about yourself. You're actually built to engage, not to disengage, to connect, not to disconnect. He has built them with insatiable desires that can be satisfied, and he has shaped them to give and receive intimacy. So a lot of times, we look at all of these areas and we find technology is kind of messing with our kids in these categories. And so what do we do? We reject technology while not acknowledging what's actually going on inside of their heart. But instead, let's go ahead and use what those pieces are that have been kind of disturbed, interrupted and thrown upside down and and find how are those actually proper? How are they right? And how are they good? So in this way, we can accept technology and media as a helpful instructor rather than as an enemy. We can, we can look at technology and media and, and we can say it can be a tutor for us. It doesn't have to be an enemy. And man, the fastest way, I, I, you know, just, just from my experiences, the fastest way to disconnect from from your biological children would just simply to be to say, I reject the things that you have an appreciation for. I mean, just a, you want a quick, 
a quick out in the relationship with your child, just continuously reject the things that they're inclined to. If that's the goal, to kind of get them off of your hands, just say it's garbage and it's from the devil. (laughs) Just say that. And they'll say, man, you're just so out of touch. You just don't get it. You don't understand. You're from a different generation. And worst of all, you're a boomer. One of my boys has a shirt that says, Love thy boomer. <laughs> and they call, they, they call their mom the boomer in the house. <laughs> I probably shouldn't engage with that and laugh so much, but it is awesome when they do this at the house. It is, we have a lot of fun with it. So additionally, we don't have to demonize technology and media. We can point to it as a beautiful gift from God. When, when your tendency is to throw the iPad across the room, or to punish them for all of eternity from it, think to yourself in that moment, maybe I could spin my view on this and see it as a gift from God. (gasps) How could that be? But it can be. And I would even argue it is. Technology and media is used by God, given by God. I mean, even here today. I'm just super grateful I don't have to scream in your face. The technology that we're participating in, this is a beautiful gift. And so we have to acknowledge that in different ways with our kids. What if your kids viewed technology and media as a means to make much of him? This takes a little work. Like, what if your kids used technology to make much of him? If we spend their childhood rejecting it, they won't see it as redemptive, and as a means to make much of him. Or worse still, they'll think that you don't understand how to make much of him today. Maybe you did back then, but it's different. And so you're out of touch. So what if they, they saw it as a creative means to express love to him and service toward their neighbor? Would you buy into that? That if, if, if your kids as young adults or as teenagers or as grown men and grown women one day utilize technology to serve their neighbor or to serve their neighbor across the world or to express their gift and their love for God, at, at that point would you say, wow, technology is a good thing. And we should be thoughtful to that right now when they're two. It's not about rejecting technology. It's about putting it in its proper place. So our our ability to do that stuff, our ability to look into the future and to see what it could be, is heavily dependent on how we use technology and media. Do you lean into technology and media or do you reject it? Our kids will either learn to reject it because it is, quote, evil, or... Our kids will figure out how to use it to satisfy themselves, to find intimacy, to disengage. Or better yet, we could teach them how to use it to make much of God. And a real question we need to look in the mirror. We need to ask ourselves, like, what are we using technology for ourselves? Because if we're using it for entertainment, or let's just say for disengagement, 
if we're using it to kind of just disconnect, I just need a few minutes. I just need an hour. Well, then we're teaching our kids that that's the use, that's the proper use for technology. I, I, if you are viewed in, in your kid's eyes as a consumer who just can't, kind of can't get enough of the news feeds, can't, can't get enough of whatever it is, it's, it's probably not video games and, and YouTube exploration to find a new subscription you can be a part of. It's something for you. And by default, you're teaching them that is, that is proper. Or, or maybe it's, it's a use for intimacy. And that, that certainly wouldn't be foreign to men, that they would, they would use technology in ways that are unholy. And so as a result, what we do, especially in those environments, we back up from engagement on those topics. Because, man, I know, I know what I use technology for. I know the darkness of technology, and, and maybe on the, on the outside, we are trying to protect them from those things that we are engaging in to find intimacy in unholy and unhealthy ways. But at the same time, like, you're only pushing your kids away further and further. So the issue, of course, still is not, it's not the issue of technology for you in that moment, is it? It's the issue of your heart, right? It's the means by which you're using the technology. That's just a good example to say, like, that's the same thing with your kids. It's... It's not about what they're doing. It's about the issue of their heart. And so we know what this feels like. And so we have to be careful to, to use it appropriately in our, in our own lives. And if we're using it in, in ways that are strong, then we will, we will teach it in ways that are strong. But if we're, if we're using it in ways or just rejecting it altogether, then we will, we will ourselves disengage from the conversation or become legalistic in our approach to it, cutting them off. Not getting to their heart, getting right at the, you're getting at the fruit and the flower, but there's no movement toward the root of that situation. So for kids, there often isn't a, bet, a, a better alternative to technology. This is, this is important. Their craving for technology will often increase as they age. We just need to, we need to be okay with these things. You need to just say this stuff out loud, maybe. Sometimes there's no better alternative for my kids. That's just how they feel. I'm not saying it's true. I'm just saying like that is how they feel. There's nothing better out there. And look, here's another truth. The the desire increases as years go by because they're being told story after story after story that this is the way you engage culture. This is the way you engage relationships. You don't text people anymore. You don't send videos anymore. You don't FaceTime anymore. You do this now. And no, you don't even do that now. Now you do this. And tomorrow you're going to do that. It is everywhere. It's consuming. It's It's going to continue to grow. And look, when newer and better versions of technology continue to present themselves, like, honestly, why wouldn't you want to engage that stuff? But just put yourself in the shoes of, an, of a kid who's irresponsible, has, has no sense of, hey, I have to do something, I have to show up. Like, why wouldn't you embrace these new things? Get inside of their brain and understand that these things are compelling. And there are professionals out there that are way smarter than us that are figuring out how to tell the stories about how it's so compelling and it's believable. Don't disregard these things. I mean, this is, it's not like your kid is a dummy. There is a whole world of professionals who are extremely savvy and they understand how to make your kids look. Like, engage with this thing. Participate in this thing. Way more, that's, they're way smarter than just saying, like, like us sometimes, no, you just can't do it, it's because I said That's a stupid approach. The engineers of this stuff, they don't think like that. They're working in the soil. They understand the way humans work. 
not on a spiritual level, but they understand how to engage people. Man, it should be said of us that I'm I'm okay with not knowing how to develop software to engage kids technologically, but man, I want to be a professional in the soil of their heart. This, This should be the goal, right? Like this is where we should be going. Technology is just a means to get there. We can't reject it. We've got to accept it. So our temptation is usually to restrict them or or to avoid the topic altogether. But neither of these responses gets to the heart of the issue. We have to show that technology can speak to something better. So just briefly, I want to engage those three big ideas. Uh, Disengagement. Contentment and intimacy. So our children regarding disengagement, their desire to disengage can and will be quenched by technology and media. Do you know that technology can quench that? I'm not talking about long-term, but it does do its job. It, it does its job. So if you have a child who is given or prone, and every, every kid is a little bit unique, given or, if you have a child who's given or prone, prone to kind of back up, be aware. They will be satisfied through technological elements. It allows them to disconnect. It allows them to disengage. Our children who naturally withdraw, they need to know this. They need to know that God has something to say about the desire to withdraw. We can point to the tools that they use to disengage as examples of their tendency toward disengagement. But hey, you see, there's something inside of you to your son or your daughter that just wants to back up. You want to disconnect. And God has something to say about that. Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 30. I'm going to read that in just a moment. But like I've just taken this one to heart. and I've tried to find a way like... How do I teach my kids about engagement and disengagement? And how do I think about it through the lens of technology? And one of the things we do at our house, we have a garden. And I've carved out three feet of space for each, of, each one of the children. And, and myself and Ashley. I have a little bit more than three feet. Ashley has three feet, but she never tends to her three feet. So I do it for her as a loving husband. We're going to edit that out of the conversation as well. Um, so so I, I tell them. Almost daily, did you do your garden today? And almost daily, no. And, and I leave it, okay. And the next day, did you do your garden today? No. And I leave it. One of my boys, he goes like this. No. And I leave it. I don't say anything, okay. And sometimes I'll step in and say, hey, you know, if you don't tend to your garden every day, there's a good chance you're not tending to your life every day. Did you do any technology today? Yep. Man, what did that do for you? You know, I don't do this every day, but every now and then, like, what did, it, what did that do for you? How did that make you feel? I don't know. There we go. No real good answer. It was just like, hey, I just played, whatever. You should do your garden. It's a beautiful thing when your garden is without weeds. It makes you feel a certain way. And it's only one minute per day. And your garden is a lot like your life. If you would just do it for one minute a day and do it in ways that no one sees, no one's going to acknowledge, no one needs to ask, man, your life will be better. Move on. Next day, did you do your garden today? No. And I'm learning something about my kids. Did you do technology today? 
Oh, yeah. So what is it about your garden that you don't like? Why don't you like to go outside? I don't think about it. It's not that I don't like it. But it's just not craveable. They don't say that. But that's essentially what they're saying. There's something about the garden that's just not craveable. So Proverbs chapter 34 or 24. 24 verse 30. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles or weeds, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Look, you can find, you need to look around in God's creation and you need to find ways to teach your kids and contrast and compare how their technology does nothing for them. It does, but it doesn't. And every day I can point to a simple thing, not overburdensome, Not if you can't do technology until you do your garden. Not everything has to turn into that. It can just be a simple lesson. I am hopeful that I can guarantee you that one day my kids are going to grow up and they're going to say, they're going to tell the story. My dad would, he just carved this three feet of space out and he just asked me if I did my garden. He didn't make me. He didn't punish me. Now, some things are punishable, right? But not everything has to be engaged like that. We can actually be intentional in setting up props and comparing and contrasting them to technology and asking them, what did that do for you? What did that do for you? And one day when they're 22 years old and they learn how to tend to a garden and it's a beautiful thing and I can talk to them about Genesis and I can talk to them about vocation. And I can talk to them about, man, what does beauty look like on this earth? And your vocation could be a lot like your garden, couldn't it? What about your marriage? Did technology teach you to tend to your marriage every day? No, it never did. Did it ever say anything about your marriage? Never did. I hope I got their guts in that moment. And they're looking at technology as something maybe a little bit less attractive. Not, not something that seems so craveable. At seven, y'all, they don't understand these things. But Maisie, who's nine, who's working in the garden through this, and eventually she's 18, and eventually she's 25, I bet you she understands something about these types of things. So we have to, we have to be able to tell them disengagement is a bad thing. The way you disengage your garden is no good, but the way you engage your technology is also no good. How can we just talk about that? How can we just be honest about that and and share about those things? So look for ways to to talk through Scripture, like don't let the weeds of your life come up through passivity, laziness, and disengagement. Fathers, we should be intentional in helping tell a better story about engagement. It's not just about not doing. It's about doing. Satisfaction. When your children begin to want more of the things they don't have, you should remind them that Christ is the only source of contentment. Remind them that he will supply their every need. I mean, this is like a constant conversation with my boys in particular. Like when something, it's new, it's new, it's new. They want more, they want more, they want more. And I can point to something. And I can say like, man, the only thing, the only thing that will ever satisfy that craving You may not understand it now, 
That thing, you see that feel, you know what that feels like when the PS5 comes out and you have the PS4, you, you, that's a PlayStation. You know what that feels like? Yeah, I know what that feels like. That's a good thing. That's a right thing. And as a dad, like, hey, we might even get that. But let me tell you about something better. Let me point to something. And so I, I point to Jesus and, and we see in John seven thirty seven on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me. And drink. And if I'm just looking at their desires and their cravings for more and more and more, and I just reject and punish and reject and punish, I can't tell them about Jesus standing up and crying out that if you're hungry or thirsty, just come to me. I'm the only one that can satisfy. They can't hear that type of positive message. They can't hear that like good gospel message. If all they're stuck in is the drowning out of our disconnect, disconnect, no, no, no. We have to check the way we're coming across. We should tell them a better story. Better story about technology. That craving, that insatiable desire for more. It is on purpose. God has built you that way. Now, as your father, as the gardener, the shepherd co-shepherd with Christ, can I teach you how that is supposed to be filled? See, what is, as opposed to technology coming between you, what are you doing? You're you're affirming it, and then you're leaning into it, and you're, but what you're really doing, you're leaning into them. You're saying yes to them. You're showing them the goodness. And lastly, intimacy. Intimacy found in technology only leads to a guise or a shadow of true intimacy. We know, we know that. But this is true. Our kids, they find this form of intimacy in phone calls, social media, text messages, music, movies, streaming services. The problem with these vessels of intimacy, we know this. They're temporary. They're distorted. And they will always follow the narrative of pop culture. They're fleeting. They're not true. They're not real. But man, your kids, they're looking for it. They're looking for love, as it's, as it's said, in all the wrong places. What's really weird now is this love and this intimacy comes so easily. I mean, so easily. Here's a, here's a great story. This was what it was like back in the 90s. Um, I remember first engaging chat rooms. I think I was a, 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 a seventh grader. I think I was 12 years old. Chat rooms on the internet, get through AOL, you know, the whole bit. And then you end up engaging these chat rooms and you find people in your neighborhood and people like you. No pictures, no emojis. No temperaments or personalities coming through. No posts previous that you could find. And I had to figure out, I was hungry for girls. Um, I, we're going to cut this part out too, I think. But I was just at a, at a seventh grade level, just wanting to engage girls. That was just like, I was just so like thoughtful in, a, in a, such a professional way toward the female gender. And so I engaged these two girls, and my buddy and I did, and we ended up setting up a date to go to the movie theater to see Beavis and Butthead together. <laughs> True story. We got there. We, they told us what they were going to be wearing. We saw them. They were violently unattractive. 
We saw them, and we just kept on moving. We never engaged them. That's, listen, the night, like, that's my heart. I do those disgusting things. My technology just happened to afford it. But see, my kids are no different today, but they just have that intimacy. Like, they don't even have to go to the movie. They just look at a post, and they decide quick, fast, and in a hurry whether or not they're going to engage. And there is choice upon choice upon choice. And the opportunity for desire to be expressed and intimacy to be formed, like, we have to be wise to this. It is everywhere. It is now. It is constant. We can't just reject that. We have to acknowledge that. And we have to speak to that. And then we say, you know that, you know that thing? Like I can tell my kids, you know that thing, that story that I just told you guys? That thing, that's in you too, isn't it? Now it expresses itself in a different form of technology today. And you call that Snapchat. You call that Instagram. You call that any, you know, and all of our kids have different measures by which they call it. But you call it something. It's not the technology. It's your heart. You're looking for something. What are you looking for? You're looking to be intimate with someone. Hey, can we talk about intimacy? Can we talk about what that looks like? Can we talk about what that feels like? And let me tell you about the true form of intimacy. And this is an opportunity to tell the story of the gospel. Can I, can I tell you more, just one more time about Jesus? And it's not every time, every day, every, it's not the substitute for every technology. Yes, I will allow you to, if you allow me to tell you about the gospel one more time. Like, it's not about that, but if we're leaning in on that, we'll find ways to consistently tell the gospel, the story of Jesus. But if we reject it, it starts feeling, dad's always saying the same thing. He's always telling me I can't, and there's other forms, and there's something, and you'll understand when you get older. They're not leaning in. They're just not going to respond the way in which you would hope they would respond. There are better stories to technology. Use them as a vessel. Allow, allow technology to be something that God actually participates in rather than stripping the ability for it to be powerful. And this requires, look, this requires a lot of work, doesn't it? It requires a lot of patience. It requires thoughtfulness. It, it takes a step back and you look at things, you're like, how am I going to create through this one? I don't know how to get their attention here. But is there a more worthy endeavor? I mean, really? Is there something that you would rather spend your time on than to figure out how to connect with your children over the things that they really connect to? I mean, we can pray a lot for them and we can read them scripture, but there's something, there's something about our kids looking at us and saying, they, like, man, I'm just kind of inclined to my dad. And now God uses those prayers and he uses the scripture that we share, but don't you want it to be said of you? Like, there's some, like if they, they may never verbalize it and they may not even know how to verbalize it, but doesn't it seem like the right story that your son or your daughter, your grandson, granddaughter would lean in on you and just be like, I don't, I just kind of connect with them. And it's not like, it's not what you wear. It's not how you come across. Like you could be, you could totally be a boomer. And as they would describe a boomer, it's like an insult, really. Like, like it's, you're a terrible person if you're a boomer. You could totally be that and wear the wrong clothes and, and you have no idea. But there's something about your ability to connect with their heart through their stuff. And they're grateful for that. 
they feel accepted. They feel affirmed. They feel like you see them. They feel like you're there for them, that you do want to know about them. And it's not just technology, y'all. It's everything. So a girl comes along, a guy comes along, like, and we can just use this one prop of technology and say, this is what shepherding a child's heart looks like in reality. Like just very practical ways. And so when they put clothes on, <laughs> lean into the clothes, man. Like, huh, the clothes are saying something. What is it that those clothes are saying? And find a way to understand your child through that means, right? I think that's all I got. Pray, and then are we doing questions? Okay. You want to pray? Okay, I guess I'll pray. Yeah. Father, we're appreciative that, that you don't outright reject things in culture, but you use them so often to engage us. And that's what we want to do. We want to use the things in the world of our kids to engage their hearts, to teach them that they can, they can find in intimacy. God, that they, there is something to engage in. God, that that craving is supposed to be there. We want to we lock in on these ideas. God, help us to be thoughtful, patient. God, help us to endure through times that we don't understand why their heart is geared in a certain direction. Help us to sit in those moments as you do with us. And, and you don't leave us. You don't reject us. But you continue on with us through our difficulties. Uh, when we engage cultural pieces that distract us from you, God, you continue to stay with us. Help us to do the same to our children. God, we want to be more like you in this way. Help us to, to see that uh, the soil of their heart is where we need to be hanging out. God, we ask that you would change our kids to become more like you. Father, that is, that is our cry, that, that our, our sons and daughters, God, that you would save them. And Father, that you would conform them to the image of your son, Jesus. We don't want to be a barrier from those things happening. Lord, help us to engage in ways that are helpful and are partnering as co-laborers with you in that work, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Aaron, that was fantastic. Uh, that was really good and really challenging, and I'm excited to go plant a garden this afternoon. Um, I, you, actually, we do have gardens, and you don't want to see how bad they are, and it's probably a good image for my life right now. Um, <laughs> a few things before we get into discussions. I realized I didn't open with my weekly dad joke, so, that's, uh, so you guys may know this one. Do you know why a chicken coop only has two doors? If it had four doors, it would be a chicken sedan. That's right, Dan. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, book giveaways. Uh, this is the part where I get screenshots. Uh, first book I'm going to give away, I'm going to give away to somebody who's their first meeting here. So raise your hand if it's your first time here, Aaron. You don't get anything. Uh, I saw your hand first, Josh Green. So this book is... Yep. Uh, Screen Kids. It's by Gary Chapman, who's fantastic. If you've ever read anything of Gary Chapman's, it's awesome. And Arlene Pellicane. Uh, really great book about just skills your kids are going to need to manage this stuff. Um, 
really it, – it's uh, – I haven't read it all, but in my perusings of it, it just looks like a really helpful resource. So, Josh Green, come uh, get this. Uh, the next book I'm going to give away, and you can throw it up there, Abigail. To, uh, so, it's going to be the book on the right here, The TechWise Family. Raise your hand if you've been here all three weeks, but you haven't gotten a book yet. Anybody been here all three weeks but not gotten a book? Uh, Dave, you have this, don't you? You've read it. No, no, you don't get it. Uh, if you, uh, have you been here two weeks but have not gotten a book yet? Uh, Terrence. Uh, this book is really great. I listened to it like in a day. It uh, engaged me. If you don't, by the way, if you want to, I don't know if you can read it on Hoopla, but you can listen to it on Hoopla for free as well. Um, it's just some, it's just basic guidelines that he puts in place in his family um, to manage media. You don't have to follow all of them. You don't have to follow any of them, but it's a good way of thinking about it and how to apply it to your particular family. Uh, My Tech Wise Life is a book written by his daughter with him as well, talking about uh, how she applies some of these things and how to apply them. It's kind of more from the kid's perspective. Um, She's older. I mean, she's like, she's a grown up now, but um, anyway, that's, that's a really helpful book too. Next. All right. So you heard Aaron talk about the people that are way smarter than all of us who are designing things to suck our kids in regardless of whether they want to be sucked in or not. Nir Eyal was one of those guys and he wrote kind of the Bible of addicting your kids and you to social media. It's called Hooked. Uh, it is on every social media uh, founder's shelf. They've all read it. It is, it is the book that they all went to. Last year or two years ago, he wrote Indistractable because he realized what a terrible thing he had started. Um, and so Indistractable is a book about how to be not distracted by the social medias by a guy who taught them how to distract you. So if you want inside info on how to win this battle, especially in your own heart, uh, and to help your kids think through these things, Nereal is not a believer. Not everything I'm going to give you here is from a straightforward uh, Christian perspective because I think also the world is starting to realize the problems and the the, the difficulties social media pro- is kind of presenting. Uh, as Augustine said, all truth is God's truth, right? Uh, and sometimes it takes the church longer than, than the world sometimes to figure some things out. And sometimes it takes the world longer than the church sometimes to figure things out. And the world is coming along and saying, you know what, this may be a problem. Uh, so just indistractable. It's a short read. It may be 100 pages. It's not even that. It's really little, and it's on Hoopla, I believe. Next book. Uh, Cal Newport is amazing. Uh, he is a computer science guy who I don't think, I think he uses email still, but he, he's literally doesn't do any social media. I think he actually has a person that does his email for him. Uh, he is fantastic at thinking about this stuff and figuring out how to keep it at just a safe distance from it. Uh, his first, well, not his first book, but the first book of his I encountered was deep work. Deep work, uh, is about how you as an employee or employer, can disengage from a lot of the stuff that's pulling for your attention and focus in doing deep work. Uh, as a guy who's trying to provide for your family, it's, it's huge. It's a great book. Uh, if you can apply it, you have such a huge advantage over your competition in the workplace and, uh, and in industry because so many people are so bad at this and it's becoming ever more important. Uh, a later book of his is Digital Minimalism, talking about how to declutter your life from all of the digital things that are pulling at it. Uh, and the last recommendation I have, uh, these are mov- this is a movie and a podcast. Um, the Social Dilemma is on Netflix. 
again, I can't recommend everything anybody says in these things, carte blanche, but what I like about these is that they, is that they are completely secular resources. And it just helps you to see, oh, this is a big problem and everybody realizes it. It's not just some weird religious thing. It also gives you an entry point to talk to other people who maybe aren't believers about how to engage these topics. Social Dilemma is a movie. Uh, it was kind of produced by Tristan Harris, who was a formal, again, former tech exec who realized this is not good. Uh, he then launched a podcast called Your Undivided Attention, where he talks more in depth about uh, how to address the problems that are being presented in society by, uh, by media addiction and by um, this, the, desire, the desire that people have to engage it in ways that are unhealthy. Um, so those are my recommendations for this week. I'll try to send an email with all of these in here too. So uh, upcoming dates, y'all have some up to upcoming date uh, cards right here. March 27th is us. April 24th, I'll be actually talking next month and my pitch, my teaser for this, it's going to be the one that requires you to do the least and will be the most satisfying one that you take away from. It's going to change your life and it's going to require you to do the least. So, uh, and then May 22th, 22th, by the way, is a description of the front row of the Alabama Crimson Tide football home game, uh, crowd, about 20 tooths between them. Um, so those are the next ones. Um, we have a podcast. Uh, David and I recorded our first podcast or the first podcast of this. Aaron and I are going to get together this week or next week and record another one. He says, no, I'll have to, <laughs> this is negotiating. He's going to, he's going to want me to pay him more. Um, sorry, David, I'll, I'll pay you or something. I don't know. Um, so we're going to talk more about what we learned here and I'm going to just kind of get into a little deeper conversation, some other dadly topics as well. Uh, now we're going to talk uh, to each other about the things in, in our hearts here. One little Warning I want to give, not warning, just caution as we go into this conversation. Um, I want to give a specific caution against gossip in two ways. One, I want to make sure that we know that we're not going to gossip about each other, that we're not going to go home to our wives or to our buddies and say, dude, can you believe this guy does this? Can you believe this guy acts like this? Or uh, I want to make sure that people here feel like they can be open and free with one another. And so I want us to really just have internally a commitment to not gossip about each other. Uh, when we leave this table. The other thing is I want you to make a commitment to each other not to gossip about your kids and your families. It is easy for us as dads to feel like our kids are just like an extension of us. Like this is Nick B. Um, and not an individual little image bearer that is going to be a grown up one day, but is still a complete full human being made in the image of God. Uh, it is easy for us to use our kids as an extension of us to gain connection with other people. This happens when they're toddlers and you talk about how bad your kid was the day before and why you couldn't sleep because they did all this stuff. And we don't think about the fact that when I do that, when I talk to Aaron about how my kids were just hellions yesterday and he tells me about his kids were, were angels, um, me trying to gain connection with him using my kids is a really ugly sin. It is a gossip about my kids. It's gossip about somebody's sin. And you sure wouldn't do that about your wife. At least I hope you wouldn't. Uh, or one of your friends. So please don't do it about your kids. Uh, they, are, they are people. Uh, we don't need to smear their names here to gain connection. Be vague as much as you can while still being intentional in conversation. All right, guys. So we're going to sit down and have some conversation. Uh, thank you all.